Can you say amen? Listen to this. Listen to this. You probably can't hear them, but man, they're going down those steps. I love to hear them go down that steps and go to children's church. You know what? If you love children, say amen. amen. You know what? I believe children are a gift from God. And I thank you to all you parents and all you grandparents that's worked so hard to get your children here this morning to lead us in worship. But let me tell you, let me say a word to Main Street Church. Main Street Church, if, you see, uh, if there are children in the house, if they're here on uh, Sunday morning or Wednesday night, if God has placed children in our presence, then we have a big responsibility in front of us. It is our job to teach them about Jesus. And uh, let me say that again, just so you'll say amen. Because uh, these children are a gift from God. And we are challenged to tell them about Jesus. Are you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5. We continue in a series that, well, I'm finishing a series, and I'm sad that this series is over because I can preach a lot more sermons on the promises of God. But next Sunday morning, I'm going into a series calling, called it The Christmas Story Nonfiction. We're going to look at the Christmas passage, and you look at it every year at this time. But this, we're going to look at this, and we're going to dig into God's Word, and we're going to talk about the purpose, the person, the promise, and the point of Christmas. And we're looking forward to preaching that. But I'm a little bit sad because I'm coming to the end of this series that I've called Standing on the Promises. What we have been doing for the past several weeks here at Main Street Church, we've been preaching a series called Standing on the Promises of God. We discovered a bunch of people six or eight weeks ago in the book of Numbers, chapter 13 and 14, the Israelites, the chosen people of God, they were almost ready to enter into the land of promise. They come through the wilderness. God brought them to what I call the one-yard line. They were almost there. And they stopped and they developed a, a wilderness attitude. The children of Israel walked around in the wilderness 40 years, not because of some big gross sin, but because of their attitude. They were complainers, they were coveting, they were doubters, they were critical, they were, just, uh, they were full of rebellion, and because their hearts weren't right, God did not allow them to go into the land of promise. And we have chosen at Main Street, get ready to say amen, we have chosen at Main Street to be people of promise, not people of wilderness. The only way that you can be a people of promise is to stand on God's Word. Now, if you're born again and you want to have a wilderness attitude, if you want to be a complainer, a whiner, if you want to be critical, you don't need God's Word from that. That's, that, that's built into you. But if you want your heart changed and if you want to be like Jesus, then, then, then you, you need to be able to stand on God's Word. We've been preaching on His promises. Last Sunday morning... We preached on uh, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Do you, is anybody in the house this morning got, got anybody, any loved ones in heaven? Let me tell you something. There's a wonderful promise in God's word concerning those people who have gone on to be with the Lord. Life comes in six stages. There's life. Life begins at conception. Life begins at conception. After life, there's death. Death does not mean non-existence. Death in the New Testament is the Greek word thanatos, and it means to be separated. What happens when someone dies, their spirit 
separates itself from the body. We take this body, we put it in a casket, and we put pretty clothes on, and people walk by and talk about how good this person who is not here, how good they look. The Spirit goes to be with the Lord, and we're going to read that in just a moment in God's Word. You, you, you are not non-existing. You are existing. After life and after death, you go to a place of destination. And we talked about that last Sunday. Those are of our loved ones who have gone on to be with Jesus. They are safe in the arms of Jesus. And they are excited and they're having a good time. They are in a place of paradise. But the reason that they are so excited is because they're just, they're with Jesus. But there's more to come. There's going to come a resurrection time. There's going to be a time when Jesus Christ returns and with a great shout, the graves will be opened, the dead will rise, and there's going to come a time when we're going to uh, receive our resurrected body. There's going to be a time of reward. There's going to be a time of eternity. So these people that have gone on that's already in the presence of Jesus, they are so excited about the coming days. Now watch what happens. Jesus returns, resurrection takes place. The spirit and the body is joined together, and, and, and I'm not really sure what that heavenly body is going to look like. Probably going to look a lot like this right here, but I'm, I'm speculating on that. I hate it when I say something funny and y'all don't laugh. <laughs> the resurrected body joined. And then we come to 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, and we begin to read in verse number 6. This is where we are. We've been resurrected, and we're getting ready to stand in the place of reward. Watch what happens. 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, beginning in verse number 6, the Bible says this. So we are also confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. My spirit, my soul, and my body, we are all intact this morning. So I am uh, present here, but I am absent from the Lord. The Bible says this, for we walk by faith, not by sight. I walk by faith. My parents who have gone on to be with the Lord, they walk by sight. Verse 8 says this, for we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The spirit has separated itself from the body. We place the body in the earth and the, the spirit goes to be with the Lord. Therefore, we make Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to him. Verse number 10 is, is what I'm going to major on this morning. Verse number 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether it be good or whether it be bad. Now listen. Have you ever watched the Olympics? And as, as it comes to, the, to the, the award ceremony, and there is this person who receives the bronze medal, there's the person who receives the uh, silver medal, and then there's the guy that receives the gold medal. That, that, that ceremony that takes place at the Olympics, that's an earthly picture of a f- future heavenly event. There, the, the gold medalist stands... All nations are looking at him. The flag of his nation drops in the back and they sing the national anthem. National anthem. When we die, resurrection takes place and we stand before the judgment seat. When we stand before the bema. I'm so aggravated with myself this morning because I'm going to preach on rewards. 
But when you're standing before Jesus and you're standing in that, in that winner's circle, I should have stopped and I should have preached on the pardon of our sin. Because there in the presence of God, I'm going to give an account of all the things that I have done in the flesh, whether they be bad or whether they be good. And as I stand before God, it's not about my sin, it's not about my shame, it's not about my regret. Me standing before God, receiving my full pardon from Jesus Christ, it's not about me, it's about Him. It's all about His, His, His grace, it's all about His mercy. And when, when we're looking and all the nations are looking at me, they're going to say, my, what a great thing, this, this Jesus. Jesus, our Savior, has done to redeem this person from his sin. Now, here, get the picture. We're standing in the winner's circle, and we're standing before our God. Now, watch. We understand that in the economy of the earth, there is a limited number of crowns. Not everybody in earth gets to be the hero. Not everybody, have, have you ever had this dream that it was two minutes to go in the ball game and you took your team down and you, and, and you had the winning drive? You ever, am I the only one that's ever had that dream? Have you ever had that dream where you were standing maybe singing on Broadway? Have you ever had the dream where I've, I've always wanted to, to be Billy Graham and I wanted to stay at a place like Neyland Stadium and I wanted to preach and, 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 and the congregate people come from all over there to come to give their heart to Jesus Christ. You know what? Earth and his economy, you don't, you, everybody doesn't get to be the hero. That's in the earth. The economy of heaven, however, is different. Heavenly rewards are not limited to a chosen few, but to all those who have waited with love for him to come again. So watch what happens. Wayne has died. Spirit left the body. He has been at his destination. He has been in the presence with Jesus. Now Jesus has returned. The graves have opened. The spirit and, and the soul and the body have come together. Now Wayne has stood before Jesus Christ. He has received his full pardon of sin. And now all nations, all people are watching the child of God in the winner's circle. Every child of God. Have you been saved? Listen, if you've been saved, you're going to receive three things. The child of God, every child of God will receive the crown of life. The Bible says this, Blessed is he who endures trials, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. All believers... Not just the, 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 the gifted ones, not just the, 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 the people who sing and the missionaries, but all believers will, st- will receive the crown of life. Let me ask you a question. How many of you this morning forgot to take your medicine? I don't believe that. I believe some of you probably did. Right now, when I start talking about the crown of life, you're thinking, oh, hey, I forgot that cholesterol deal and you know what let me tell you something if you drink eight cups of water a day if you get eight hours of sleep a night you're still going to die i've been working out out here at the clinton fingers therapy place out there and i came out and i i was worked out and i was all buffed and trimmed and i was looking good and i was feeling good and i come down there and got right to the edge of the road and there come this big yellow mustang and it went, come almost ran over me and i thought that would be a bad 
Here, after doing all that workout, somebody run over me and kill me. <clears throat> but you know what? We're all going, if Jesus Christ tarries his coming, we're all going to die. But the Bible says this, no one dies in heaven. Revelation chapter 21 verse number 4 says this, that, that all these things have passed away. And the first thing that John the Revelator mentions that has passed away is death. No one dies in heaven. Every child of God receives the crown of life. Every child of God receives the crown of righteousness. All believers receive this crown. One of these days when I stand in the presence of Jesus, 1 John chapter 3 verse number 2 says this, that I am going to recognize Jesus because I will be like him. I'm not going to be Jesus. I'm not going to be a God. But when I stand in his presence, I am going to be like him because I have received the crown of righteousness. Now, when you got saved, when you got saved, you were made right with God. Watch this. R-I-G-H-T. Right. When you got saved, you got, was right with God. But when you get to heaven, you are going to be R-I-G-H-T-E-R. Rider. When you were saved, the image of Jesus Christ was placed... You're all thinking that's not a word, but sometimes when you're preaching, you have to make up a word. You have now come into the presence. You have received this crown of righteousness... All believers' sin nature, the sin nature has been destroyed. Paul, in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, beginning in verse number 6, he said, The time of my departure is at hand. I am ready to be poured out like a drink offering. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have finished my course. Now there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And not just for me, but for all those who love the appearing of Jesus Christ. Listen, in heaven there is no death. In heaven there is no chance of sin. And because there's no sin, there's no sickness, there's no death, there's, there, all of these things has done what according to the word of God? They all have passed away. I love what John the Revelator says this. Behold, I make all things new. My, what a wonderful promise. Now, another promise that, that all children of God get. Every child of God is going to receive the crown of glory. All believers will receive this crown. First Peter says the great chief shepherd will appear, and he's going to give to us the, the, the crown of glory. Those who have been overlooked on earth will be honored by our heavenly Father. Each one, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 5, each one receives praise from God. Crowns are not given a nation at a time, a church at a time, a generation at a time. Crowns are given one at a time. No one, no one is left out. Have you ever felt left out? Here in the earth, the economy of the earth, sometimes the, the big, the strong. I can remember when I was going outside in the elementary school and going outside. And You remember how you used to choose up teams? Didn't you hate that? 
I can remember I was always chosen right after the real strong girls, and it was just a real bad time for me. But you know what? When you get to heaven, Jesus Christ will leave no one out. Think about that person that's back in the nursery. The person that drove the church van this morning. You had to get up early and you had to go start the van. You had to get the, uh, the frost off the van. You had to get it good and warm. You picked up children and, and they're doing children's stuff. You bring those children and you put them out back here and they go to the nursery. And sometimes those children back there in the nursery, they, they, they poop. You know what? If we got a child here and that child poops, somebody's got to clean it up. And you know what? The van driver and the uh, diaper changers, you know, y'all don't see those people. You see the preacher. The preacher stands up and, and you, you see him. And you know what? He stands at the back door and somebody, oh, that was, you know, but you know what? If a preacher's going to preach, should he be prepared? A van driver needs to be prepared. If you're going to work in the nursery, you, ought to be prepared. you need to be there on time. You need, you need to be there. You know what? And those things that, that we don't pay no attention to, God does. And there's a time when all nations are going to stop. And this, this nursery worker, this van driver, is going to stand before God. And Peter and James and John, all great Bible people, Billy Graham, are going to be standing looking at the winner's circle, and God himself will honor this faithful servant of God. All those times you have been left out here on the earth, all those things that you've done that has been overlooked, God has taken notice of every single one of them. And you're going to be honored. The crown of life, the crown of righteousness, the crown of glory are, are things that all children of God receive. Now, now, I want you to stay with me because we're getting ready to change gears. We're getting ready to, to move into something different here. The Bible says this, that everyone, everyone has been created in God's likeness. Even non-believing people, people who are lost, people who have never been saved, they have been created in the likeness of God. People who have different color skin, who have a different ideology from me, who vote different from me, their, their skin are different. They are so different from this white Appalachian Southern Baptist pastor. They are different from me, but they still bear the likeness of God. And because they bear God's likenesses, it's the job of Main Street Church to spend all of its resources, all of its time, to going after these people because they, they, they bear the likeness of God. It is our job to share the gospel with them and tell them what this good thing that Jesus Christ has done for them. They have this likeness. Because you are created by God does not mean that you are a child of God. You become a child of God... At the moment of salvation. There's, there, there's this, it's a spiritual transaction that takes place. If you're lost, the Bible calls you illegitimate. The King James Version calls you a bastard. You, you have no heavenly father. But when you come to the cross and you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and he saves you, he washes away your sin, at that moment, you become a child of God. You become a, a, a servant. At salvation, you become a child. At salvation, you become a servant of God. When God blesses a servant, 
When God blesses a child of his, that servant, that child becomes a steward. Now I'm going to make a difference between a servant and a steward. I'm lost, but I bear the image of God. I'm like him. Now I've given my life to Christ. I've been saved. The spirit of Jesus Christ now dwells inside me. It's, it's, like, it's like a burning ember that's inside you. Now that you've been saved, the Holy Spirit can blow up on that ember, and it can cause it that, that what seems dark and crusty, it can, it can be red, it becomes glowing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is blowing upon you and is changing you. Changing you how? Changing you into the image of Jesus Christ. Now that you've been saved, you have this spirit that's inside you. When God gives a child, one of his children, or he gives a servant, when he gives them a blessing, that servant, that child becomes a steward. A steward is someone who manages the master's assets. Turn with me. To Matthew chapter number 25. A steward is someone who manages the master's assets. Now now look here. You've been resurrected. You're standing before Jesus Christ. Your sins have been pardoned. You've received the crown of life. You've received the crown of uh, righteousness. You've received the crown of glory. Now things begin to change just a little bit. All of God's children get those three crowns. But now that you're standing in the presence of God, God is going to reward you based on your stewardship. I'm not talking crown of life. I'm not talking crown of righteousness. I'm not talking a crown of glory. All God's people gets that. But now that you've been saved, now that you're a servant, if he's given you a blessing, you're now a steward. Do you have children? Do you have money? Do you have a job? Do you have an education? Do you have an opportunity? All of these things come from God. Wait wait, wait just a minute, Pastor. I went to school and I worked hard and I got this job and I've worked my... Let me tell you something. The things that you have, all good things come from God. You got children? Those are my children. No, they're not. Those children were given to you by God He is the manager of your children. He is wanting you to manage these assets for his honor, for his glory. Do you have money? Well, I've got a little money. I don't have... Okay, that little money that you have has been given to you by God. You are his steward. You are to manage that for his honor, for his glory. School teachers. Let me read this passage to you. Matthew chapter number 25, beginning in verse number 14. You all know this story. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servant and delivered his goods to him. Jesus is the the, uh, uh, owner of all things. He has entrusted to his servants his goods. Verse 15 says, And to one he gave five talents... To another two, to another one, each according to his own ability, and immediately he went on his journey. This master, this this 
man of great wealth, he, he brought his servants to him and he gave one five, one two, and one one. You know the passage, don't you? The master went away. He is entrusted to these servants of his, his assets. This one who had received five talents took his five talents and he went out and he made five more. And when the master returned, he said, you gave me five talents. Now I bring you your five talents plus five more. And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'm going to put you over many things. The number two guy come and he had his two talents. Here are the two talents you gave me. I've got given you, I've earned you two more. And the master said, well done. You have done great. And here comes the other guy who was given one talent. And he said this. He said, you gave me one talent and I was afraid. And I took this talent and I took this asset that you gave me and I took it out and buried it. And look what happened in verse number 26. These are strong words coming from the master. But his master answered and said unto him, you wicked and lazy servant. One was given five, one was given two, one was given one. See, there are some people who have been, have been given a, a, a bunch of third graders or second graders or first graders to be in their care. There are grandparents who have been given children to place in their care. Some people have been given great wealth. Some people have just been given the job of, of working the nursery at the church. So you're a child of God. He has given you assets. Now you're a steward. You've got to manage these things. It is your job as a parent to manage that child, to grow that child up that it might bring honor and glory to the Lord. Listen to this. When you get to heaven and you're standing before the judgment seat of Christ, you're standing before the bema seat, it will not matter if your son can throw a curveball or not. It will not matter that your child made a 30 on the ACT. When I stand before God as, as manager, as, as he has allowed me to pastor this church and he's given me this asset, when I stand before God, he's not going to ask me about my church, how many I saved, what a great sermon you pray, how many did you baptize? He's, he's going to ask me how I treated my wife. See, the servant come, the master master gives the stuff to the steward. The master leaves. The steward takes those things that the master has given him. He manages those, those assets. Then the master returns, and when the master returns, he rewards the servant. These are specific rewards for the believer. Now watch this. God expects us to take the resources of our lives and use them to multiply his kingdom. If God has blessed you with something, and he's blessed us all, he's blessed us all with stuff. We all have something to give to God. And when we give that to him, he takes that and he multiplies his kingdom. God's rewards are both general and specific. We're all going to receive the crown of life, the crown of righteousness, the crown of glory. That's a done deal. We get that just simply by knowing Jesus Christ.
But then we, we, we are rewarded based on what he has blessed us with. I will not have stand before God and give an account for winning the lottery. I don't possess that. He's never given me that. I won't have to, to give an account for your child. But I will have to give an account for the nieces and nephews that are in my life. These assets that he's given me, how am I going to use those to reward him? Our, our rewards are specific, specific. Our specific reward impacts our eternity. Now watch. You got the crown of life. You got the crown of glory. You got the crown of righteousness. Now you're standing before God, and He's rewarding you for for the the specific things that He's blessed you with. See, after reward, there's another part of life. It's called eternity. Once you have received your reward and you step into eternity, now listen. This is I'm kind of disappointed that I can't preach my way out of this, but once you receive your reward and step into eternity, your reward. We're all going to want to worship because we're standing in the presence of the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the one who died for us. We're going to worship like never before. Nobody in heaven is going to worship about, worry about was it written in a hymn or was it a, a contemporary or do you got screens? That has nothing to do with the worship that's going to take place in heaven. But we all are going to worship. Your reward will be given to you in the form of service. If you love someone, you want to serve them. Okay, if I have a great reward, God's going to bless me once I step into the eternity. He's going to give me all kinds of opportunities to serve Him in glory. Your, your specific reward will impact your eternity. If you don't use your resources to impact His kingdom, we will suffer loss. I believe there's a way that we can stand before God and we're standing there in, 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 in his presence. And he says, okay, I have given you this many assets and I've asked you to manage them. You did not manage them in a way that brought honor and glory to my name. They, now, we have suffered loss. Many people died and went to hell. Many people have missed serving me. Many people have missed the, the, the kingdom of God simply because you did not handle your assets properly. I'm so excited about the rewards, the crown of life, the crown of glory, the crown of righteousness. But man, wouldn't it be wonderful if we started right now, 1147, on November 25, using our assets to bring honor and glory God. You think, Pastor, I'm I'm so sad to hear this. I am so-and-so years old, and I've spent most of my life, I've wasted my life. I was saved at a very young age, but I've never used anything that God's given me for His honor and for His glory. And I'm so, I dread so bad standing in His presence. Stop. Stop right there. Because you can start right now, and you can become a service of the Lord. And you can begin to do things. I don't, I don't have much. I don't have a, a whole lot to give to the Lord. Listen, there was a little boy. He had two fish and five loaves. 
He gave that to Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ fed 20,000 people. You bring what you consider small, you bring that to Jesus Christ, and he'll do a great thing with it. And just imagine it. This is so hard to imagine. But it's the, it's the Word of God. What Paul called, on that day, in the presence of God, all nations looking right at you, he looks at you and says, well done, good and faithful servant. I gave you a few things, and you were faithful for those things. Enter into your glory. Enter into my glory. And receive your just reward. The Bible says this. Great is your reward in heaven. That little baby that you're holding and you're praying over and you're asking God to use, there's a reward attached to that. That tithe that you placed in the offering plate, Nobody saw it, but God did. And it's no one telling how God's going to use your little child or your offering or your faithful service to Him. Maybe to cause somebody in another part of the world to come to know Him. Bow your heads with me. Your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. Can you see, can can you picture that moment when you're standing in the winter circle? Standing before God. Wouldn't you like to be able to stand there and say, Lord, I've served you. I've been a blessing to you. No doubt everybody in the room can think of a moment where they've come short in serving the Lord. As we enter into the Christmas season, wouldn't it be great if we committed our lives to Christ and said from this moment on, we're going to serve you with all our heart, mind, and soul. Maybe there's someone here this morning who has never committed their life to Jesus Christ. Why don't you do that right now? Right now, the last Sunday in November 2018, you could call on God and ask Him to save you. you. You could say, Dear Lord Jesus, just pray this prayer in your heart if you'd like to be saved. If you'd like to, to know that heaven's your home, to say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know that you are God's Son. I believe that you came to earth, died for me. I'm asking you right now to forgive me. I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to be Lord of my life. And by faith, I receive your forgiveness. If you prayed that prayer in your heart and you really, really meant it, God just saved you. If you prayed that prayer in your heart, in just a moment we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And I want you to come and make that decision public. Maybe you've never worshipped in this place ever before in your life. But you just confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You come on and I'll help you. 
during this time of invitation. If the Lord has spoke to you about joining our church, if the Lord has spoke to you about anything that you need to lay on the altar, anything you need to do during this time of invitation, I want you to come and come quickly. Lord, we thank you for your word. In your son's name I pray. Amen.